Hey everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse from EFP. It is February 20th, 2019. We're going to be doing episode 34 today, and we're talking about player backgrounds and how to use them from both sides of the screen. Because if you think about it, it's kind of a two-way road, like you handshake and pass things off. When you're doing backgrounds, there's a lot to them, um, and players take time to build them out, but I feel like GMs forget to use them more than not. So today we're going to be going over a few things in the background category. Backgrounds in general, how long should they be, should you memorize them, using them in game, assigning rewards, and NPCs. So without delaying anymore, let's dive into this episode. It's been a long time coming. And to my Patreon subscribers for asking me about how I use backgrounds, I thank you. Thanks for the support. And uh, let's get into the show, everyone. Little sponsor spot there. Let's get into the show. Backgrounds. What are they? Like, why Why do we have them in games? Why are we always asking players to, to put together a background? And as GMs, they sit there. You know, you start at first level at the beginning of a game, and a lot of times we never look at them. But we ask them to do it. And a lot of times I think it's to show dedication to the campaign we're getting ready to play. As GM's putting in so much work to get things ready to run a game, we want our players to kind of put that thought process in as well. But we neglect it. So what do backgrounds do for the game? Well, let's talk about the positives here. Backgrounds are a great way for PCs to integrate their story of their character into the campaign you're about to run. On the GM side, it gives us the ability to know about their character, the background, and have a little tidbit of information about who they were before that first session. Maybe even goals that they have for the future. Um, backgrounds are important. Any actor has, you know, who's getting ready to play a character will read the background, what they're about, their personality type, what made them who they are. And that is what we're asking the players to do when they build a background. I find as a GM giving them guidelines to build their background for the setting we're about to play or the campaign we're about to play helps a lot. You can go back to some previous episodes where I talk about defining moments. And those defining moments are how I help players build a character set for the story without actually putting training wheels on the bike and telling them they can only go down this road. Instead, it's broad strokes that allow them to pick and choose what they want to do. So backgrounds are important. GMs should be giving them setting info to be ready to make their backgrounds. And players should be making something short and kind of open-ended. You want to be able to let the GM take pieces and for the player, if their character concept kind of changes as you grow in power and level and, and skill, let it be open-ended so that you can change things as well. You can have some concrete foundation-like things like a family member that has passed or is lost or a debt that you need to pay. Some of those classic tropes. I tell players to look to stories that they love and do your damnedest not to make Batman every time you make a character or Wolverine or those characters that are solo because you're playing with other people and your character concept should work well with others. 
That doesn't mean you shouldn't have uniqueness in who you are or in the character itself. It just means be ready to play with other people. Don't be a solo hero. While those stories are fun for us to watch, they aren't the best thing to bring to the table. So, backgrounds. Keep them short. Keep them simple. And speaking of short, let's talk about how long a background should actually be. So how long should a background be? Well, as a GM, I usually ask players to do themselves the favor of making a quick outline. Bullet points of things that they know they want to be in their background. For example, let's say I'm going to make a paladin for 5e D&D, and um, I know I want them to be about law. Not necessarily goody two-shoes, so I put lawful, not good, more neutral, about the contract, the job they do. Um, I know that I want them to be a sword and shield-like protector, but have the ability to hunt people down, track people down, bring them into justice. So, why am I like that? Well, I don't want to do the orphan route. Uh, my family owns a church, and I grew up into that. I grew up in that temple and that style, but at some point in time, I switched from the religion they were to the religion I am now, and the order and the concept of what I follow so were my parents following a good deity, an evil deity, an ideal? Let's say that they were following a good deity, somebody who was not about violence, but about protecting everyone. But I found that in doing so, when the temple was raided, we'll say by bandits or a local militia, we didn't defend ourselves. And because of that, my father is now crippled. Not dead, just crippled. He, not strong enough in the faith to heal himself, nor is my mother or my sister. So I'll bullet point that stuff. And then we're playing, let's say, second level characters. So my belief is for every level a character is, you should have roughly a paragraph, maybe an opening paragraph, one for first level, one for second level. And what I like to do is highlight something that I got during that level. It could be an ability, could be something that happened in story that I want to be background, someone I met, somewhere I traveled. So I will put, say, for the second level of this, I left my parents' temple. Um, I joined a different religion. And let's say that uh, at second level, when I gained one of my abilities, um, I used it actually combating um, someone who was possessed. That sounds like fun. And I brought them into the local church to let them be taken and taken care of. Not my job. I just brought them in. Church has asked me, and I did my job. And that's where I cut it off is as a... My job as a paladin, instead of healing them, I brought them in and got paid, which is a very different concept. So as a GM, I can take that stuff and look at it. I can be like, okay, he has a family. Uh, he has been in a fight with someone who's possessed. Maybe other people saw it. Maybe there was another church. As a GM, I will turn and take that background they have and make a short outline. Now, I may not do that immediately. Maybe I'll run a session and then bring in one person's background arc or two people's background arc in the next story. I believe as a GM, I run three episode arcs. I make a story for three episodes and then I have an overarching story that I know it's going to be, let's say between six to 13 episodes, depending on how long we intend to play this. And then every single episode, I try to weave in one personal piece of information from a PC, sometimes numerous. And I take everyone's backgrounds and make a sheet or a note card with their name at the top 
and write down the bullet points I want to do. And as I use them, I scratch them off or I add more data to them if I add a name or if I add a location or an event or a memory. I even go so far as to do flashback scenes with people between sessions about things that have happened or during their downtime and development time frame, I do something with them there. And maybe I'll do an episode on the idea of one-on-one conversations. I know Matt Koval recently talked about wanting to do that, and I think I might put my two cents in on that as well. From the PC side, after you've made your background, and you've kept it in that, you know, one page for a first to second level character, a couple paragraphs on who you are, what you did, and then your first level background and your second level background, because remember we're making a second level paladin, I make an outline for myself with bullet points of important information. So a little note card, or if I have a journal, I'll put it in there and it'll have background. It'll be important names of family members, ages, what they do and where they live. Really short personality descriptor in case the GM needs to play them. Or if another player at the table wants to play them for me, which is pretty cool. If you want to have a little bit of narrative fun. And I also put uh, any form of plot points that are important to my character, leaving the temple if there was conflict and if it was ever resolved. Those ideas of conflict and problem create character. So that's how I do my backgrounds and how long they should be. Maybe even a timeline for your character is a great idea in your background. Just a small one that you do every five to ten years, depending on how old you are, or pivotal moments and put the year within game, maybe a season or a month. This really helps develop a rich history that doesn't take you that long to do. You can do it on your lunch breaks at work, to be honest. Just type it up on your phone. I've done that numerous times, let me tell you. Now it comes into, do we need to memorize these? Mm, I don't know. Should you memorize that background? As a player or a GM? God, dude, I'll be honest. I have been guilty in the past of never looking at someone's background. I know I want them to make it to make a better character, but I don't look at it. And that's my fault. And it's something I've changed a lot in the last three to five years. And I think you should too as a GM and as a player. Should you memorize them? No. Uh, Usually when players hand in their backgrounds in the beginning to me, before we start playing, uh, some characters or players don't even have a background until like their second or third session as they're trying to find the voice or the personality of their character. That's okay too. I'm not going to force someone to do it. That's a hobby. I just recommend it because it helps build a better experience for everybody at the table. And I think memorizing it doesn't do well. I think instead taking the pieces out of it that you need as a GM from your side of the screen and having them in note cards that are usable is perfect. Almost like a recipe box. If you've seen my YouTube video, I have one of the index card boxes and I run my campaigns out of it. I have the, the note cards that are colored on the top in different colors. I have some blank white ones as well. And I clip those together as campaigns continue. Um, and that allows me to have really quick reference for players and for background stuff or NPCs. On the player side of things, memorizing your background isn't needed. You wrote that out to develop who your personality is when you're playing this PC. Why would you need to memorize it? You have it in front of you. Instead, do those bullet points I talked about. Put things together to make it easy for you to remember who you are as that character. And last, memorizing that won't allow growth. I think having the foundation in mind as you play your character really helps, but I don't think you need to be memorizing it like a script. Instead, you should be using that like improv, where I know that this paladin I just made at second level uh, left a church. 
and that church, if I ever encounter that church, I might have some kind of harsh feelings. They shouldn't be so disruptive that I can't play at the table, but they should definitely be something where the personality of my character changes when they're around it. The idea of the weakness of this good aligned deity that doesn't believe in conflict. And you can see this throughout fantasy and sci-fi and modern settings in any of your favorite TV shows, comics, or, or books even. That is how I do it. I don't memorize. I grab and use as needed. So how do we need them? How do we use them? Sometimes things are dangerous, and in this world, sometimes people betray you. I was part of the Court of the Eye for over 20 years, rose to the position of judge. I even saved the city of courts. Yet, here I am, bound inside of a prison simply because I saw the truth. Heroes claim that I was a villain, but secretly I am their savior. Turning an eye from me is like turning from a family member. You can find me deep within Bristlecombe or talents rise, depending on which part of me you were looking for. Magic and Monsters, Marks of Men is a new micro-setting from Eric Frankhouse Presents. You can find it on patreon.com slash Presents. I hope this D&D 5e campaign setting is something new for you. High magic, fantasy, intrigue, and the best part, magic can turn you into the very monsters that you fight. EFP, the place where stories are told. So using a background isn't that hard. What's hard is remembering to do it. When I use them, I, like I said before, like to weave their backgrounds into the main story arc. Sometimes, if we have set precedent up front, I've told them what they're getting into. There may be one character that's, you know, going to be a king as a pilot, and there'll be highlight episodes. And before we start an episode or a session, I use the word episodes because TV is relatable to everybody, I like to tell people, hey, uh, this, this will be spotlighting one of the characters today. And it's going to be, you know, the second level paladin or the paladin who we've made named Drodvik. He is going to be the spotlight. And I think that that allows people to come in knowing what's going on. They know the spotlight's going to be on that character and they do their best to be involved. When you're doing these background pieces, don't leave out the other players. Sometimes you can weave two things together into a city or weave that church with the rogue that lives in the area and he has robbed numerous places and maybe in his background he's talked about robbing from temples well have one of those be the one the family owned let that conflict come out in character but weave stuff together so 
you can kind of bring all your players together, make them feel like they're one thing. From the player's side, how do you use your background? Well, it should drive your character. Uh, it should highlight ideas about who you are and how you interact with others at the table or other NPCs you meet. It also allows you to have secrets. Um, secrets should drive motivations. So if your paladin feels bad about what he did leaving his family, but he only feels about leaving the family, that, that's the part he feels bad about, but he doesn't feel bad about leaving the church. That should drive him and or her on how they are, are played. So maybe encountering new churches, they're more accepting as long as they're not good aligned or they're, or they're more combat oriented or they're willing to protect those that they care about, even at the cost of a life. That's important. Those secrets should be important. You may secretly wish that uh, you would have stayed with the church, but you went down this path being a lawful individual and the contract after contract as this paladin, you don't look back. And maybe during downtime or if you're playing D&D short and long rests, but overall you do your best one foot in front of the other. I think using them on the PC side should be about building a better character and a better story for your character and the other players at the table. That's important. You're there to tell a story together, to play a game together, to adventure together. So if you can weave your background with another one, that's awesome. And I recommend that starting when you build your characters. Talk to the other players. See if maybe two backgrounds can move together. If you've never used uh, background cards, I highly recommend those. Those are a fantastic way to combine people into one. Backstory cards is made by an indie publisher that uh, it allows you to draw a few cards and build story together. You've seen things like this come out with Numenera or the Cypher system where you pick somebody else as you pick your character build that you have a relationship with them or related or a connection between them. We've even seen that in a lot of indie games over the last five years. Take those ideas when you build your background and talk to other people and say, hey, are we siblings? Do we know each other? How do we make this more cohesive? And it also helps the GM bringing the group together on that that first session. So now that we've talked about backgrounds and everything that you know I can think of off the top of my head, how do you reward players for using them? Well, there's a lot of things out there. There are tons of systems that have hit the market, especially in the indie scene, uh, along with actually D&D 5e. So for example, between your bonds and flaws, using them and playing to them gives you inspiration. And this is a great way to reward players for using those things. I also believe you should be rewarding them for completing background story pieces. For example, we'll talk about this paladin, Drodvik, again. And as he's continued his life and mission, one of his things he wanted to do was find out why his family even joined that cause. He said that he was noble or of noble blood, but he didn't know where or when. And I think part of that story arc should be about finding that. And as he does find out that he is a prince, his father was a king, they left the country because they were declared treasonous. Even though his father was, he is not. And he has decided to take the throne. Now, only way you can have the throne back is for his father to pass. The story could be going back for the funeral, or if you have started to lean evil, killing the father yourself. 
claiming the crown and bringing your kingdom back to life, bringing it back under your rule. Now, this story arc is something that you work with your GM on. Say, hey, I would love to eventually be noble. Now, your GM could tell you, I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to be doing a full kingdom, but I, I could do you as a prince. We could make that happen. We could get you contacts. Work with him. Maybe the people in your party even want to be part of that. This is stuff that backgrounds can bring to the table. Now, rewarding the player could be money, treasury, a magical crown, a sword of your father when he passes. It could be a blessing from that god or a different god for taking back the mantle of a king or a prince. Reward them with it. It could be experience, a magical item. It could be a powerful NPC. If you're using something like Strongholds and Followers from MCDM, from Matt Coville's company, you could be giving them retinue followers, armies, a castle, things that could be rewarded and really make the players feel important. I also believe that when you give rewards like that, they don't have to be things that travel with them all the time. It doesn't have to be a magic item. It could be power when they're talking to people. It could be being able to command people in their countryside. And giving them a castle and doing that allows them to make big movements behind the scene or during downtime. And that's something that players don't normally get to feel. Uh, I've talked about downtime and time in general in the game, how adventure to adventure to adventure over the course of 30 days, going from level 1 to 10, doesn't make sense. But putting in those two weeks off, the three months off, the five months off as the castle gets rebuilt, it is story. And allows you to evolve your characters and your NPCs. From a player standpoint, talk to your GM. Like, I would love to finish this story arc and get this. I want the lost sword of my father. I want the crown. Or maybe talk to them about, I really want to have closure with my family. In a good or bad way, we can make that happen at the table. Think of rewards that you want for doing your background. Maybe it's... Uh, making a, a relationship between you and another PC. Maybe making a cool bond between you two. Maybe you're both spellcasters. So in Magic and Monsters, my new micro setting, magic is everywhere. Everyone has it. And I've had it to where two people, if they're casting the same spell together, ups the DC. There's some cool things you can do. Giving players the ability to feel that they're different than the character they played last or the character at the table next to them. Rewards are why we play. Story progression is why we play. And backgrounds can be the driving force behind that. So I hope that this episode has given you an idea of how to use backgrounds in your game instead of letting them sit in a Google Drive folder or printed out and never functioning. I hope that this has is, is done something for you. And backgrounds for me have been a great part of character creation. I even have players go back and update their backgrounds for me by level or broad strokes. And I have a few characters who just are chroniclers. They love doing it anyway. So I... I want to hear from you guys. Is there anything for backgrounds that you do with your setting or your home games? Is there a way that you integrate them into the story, mechanics, or individual systems that really make you love how backgrounds play out? Call into the show. Anchor is a free app. You can download it 
and leave a message and I'll put you on the air and we'll talk about it. We'll have a conversation. As for the next episode, I think I might be doing something on solo content. Uh, We have a few more interviews coming up. I'm doing my best to get us back on that weekly, weekly train now that the sickness is gone and holidays are gone and travel is slowed down. I also have a traveling rig now, so hopefully when I go to travel, I can record no matter where I am. Towel over the head is always a good way. But that is it for me at uh, EFP. I'm Eric Frankhouse, and I'm glad to be back, and I hope this helps you with your campaigns. So that is it for me, and as always, watch, listen, learn. It makes you better at the hobby.